0: love you so much, so grateful uh, for this time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for where you're leading, guiding us, and taking us in Jesus' name. Amen. So guys, we're just going to keep talking about faith. So just for fun and as we do, so um, remember we've said over all of the times the, the last year or so that we've talked about faith when God leads us, you know, that faith is a firm persuasion. Right? We know that it's being persuaded. We know that faith is a positive response to what God has already done for us in Jesus. Right? So let's just kind of review in our terms. So let's say it out loud. Say, faith is being fully persuaded. So we can say it like this faith is my positive response. Right, and now say this with me: mean, Faith is my committed action. Right, because we've been talking about this time the connection between faith and action. Right, faith and doing. Remember it, and just for fun, uh, where does faith come from? From hearing. Where does hearing come from? From the Word of God. And what will that hearing produce? It'll produce an action. It'll produce fruit. It'll produce an action. It will produce a work. It will produce, I love what Selena said last week when she said, because, and we don't have time to go over the whole thing, but it's always an invitation into a relational activity, right? That as we hear from God, and faith rises it is going to produce action right so we're going to use terms like we're going to read here in James in just a minute the word works or works but I don't want us to get hung up right so if you want to you can turn to James chapter 2 and this is where I know it kind of we have kind of tripped up over over as long as I've been alive and in church I don't know why it seems that we trip over this because you mentioned the word works and you got the legalistic crowd, amen, that goes, yeah, and they think it all has to do with them. And and then you got the grace-based crowd that goes, boo, we're not supposed to do anything. Right? Listen to me. Faith and action must go together. Right? Right? It's kind of like an analogy I heard and I don't have one on me. It's does anybody have a quarter? Anybody got a quarter? Might lend lend the pastor a coin. Alms for the pastor. Um, so. Alms. <laughs> no. Nobody has a quarter. Anybody got a quarter? I know. Alms, alms for the pastor. <laughs> oh, look, look, Kurt's got me. Look at there. So again, a quarter, right? So we all know this. What's on one side of a quarter? Heads. Who's head? Just George Washington, right? What's on the other side of the quarter? This one depends. This one is some trees, and it's a state. And I can't read who which state, but there's like a guy standing between two trees with, looks like he's making maple syrup. Oh, Vermont. That's where it says. So it says Vermont. So, but we also call this side tails. Which side is more the quarter than the other? All right. They're both. But what if I don't like one side? Well, you know, I really don't like Vermont. They're very Democratic, very left. Right. But I'm going to rub off that side. I'm going to do away with that side of the quarter because I just don't like it. You understand that you actually do that now. It's no longer a quarter. Did you know that? That you've actually did you actually know that if you deface money, it's a federal crime, right? So, but but listen, but in 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 church world, especially our flavor of Christianity, that's what we've done. We've actually said, I don't like the discussion of works. Some people say I don't like the discussion of faith. I just like works, and we kind of want to erase one side of the coin. And realize that in doing so, you lose both. Right? Does that make sense? So we're going to look at you over here. Here's your quarterback. Put in Kevin's thing. No, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> Amen. So here, James chapter two. We're going to read in verse fourteen. And I want to get and guys, why are we saying this? Because as we hear the voice of God, as we know God. Remember, if I'm coming to God. I know I must believe who he is and that he will reward me based on who he is. But that reward is going to look like an action. And I don't know until recently if we've ever really told that to people. Did you know that the reward isn't what comes at the end? Yeah. Hmm. The reward is is that you knew God, you heard Him, and He led you into something with Him. The reward is relationship. What happened is just what happened because of who He is. So healing is wonderful, and that's great. And we worship like we did with Katie. We worship, and thank you, Father, for healing Katie. Thank you, Father, for healing Alicia this week. Thank you so much for healing but that's not the reward. The reward is I knew God. Amen. Come on, listen. I, I'm y'all looking at me a little funny. So, so re- remember, we have the blessing of Abraham upon us. We agree with that. Paul said that in Galatians, right? The bla- blessing of Abraham is upon us. It's the blessing of Abraham. Righteousness by faith. Right? We, who, 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 brushes by faith, but you're cheating because you've been with me too long. I'm just but, but what else? What do you think? We hear the blessing of Abraham. What do you think the blessing of Abraham is? Huh? Very good. Most people, how many of you grew up like me, the blessing of Abraham was as Abraham was rich. That's what I was taught. And in and, and an aspect, that's true. Right? I mean, the blessing of Abraham was, is he had a miracle baby when he was 100 years old. That's true. But it wasn't the blessing of Abraham. He was called the friend. He was the friend of God. He had righteousness in relationship with God by faith alone in who God was. Because did did Abraham live a perfect life? Did he, like, do everything just right, and he was a good little boy? Dude, he sold his wife up the river twice. I mean, if i tried to even do that once with Selena, y'all would be having a funeral, right? But the homeboy did it twice, right? (laughs) You know, so, (laughs) and made money off of, I mean, you know, listen... The blessing of Abraham is that he was in relationship with God and he had righteousness by faith alone through that relationship with God. And from that relational position, yes, he was the richest man of his day. Yes, he saw a miracle of God happen in his physical body, but it all flowed out of his relationship with God. Do you see that? See the action. And what we've looked at, and we'll come back to it. Remember, we've been talking Genesis chapter 22. God tells Abraham, Go offer your son as a sacrifice. So, out of relationship, Abraham does something. And again, so what actually saved Abraham? Was it his faith? it was his actions now here we, go, here we go James chapter 2 verse 14 James writing he says so what does it profit brothers if someone says he has faith but he does not have works and I'm going to say actions right actually I'm going to swap over I'm going to read this from the the, the passion translation because I liked it when I read it this morning Because I want to get over that word works because that's the word that trips us all up, right? So James chapter 2 again, verse 14, Passion Translation. My dear brothers and sisters, what good is it if someone claims to have faith but demonstrates no good works to prove it? And what's the answer to that question? It is no good, right? How could this kind of faith save anyone? Well could it? No. Come <laughs> on, are you with me? For example, if a brother or a sister in faith is poorly poorly clothed and hungry, and you leave them saying, Well, goodbye. I hope you stay warm and have plenty to eat, but you do not provide them with a coat or even a cup of soup, what good is your faith? Yeah. Nothing. So then Faith that doesn't involve action is phony. I love that. If y'all want to, that is verse 17 of James chapter 2 in the Passion Translation. So then faith that doesn't involve action is phony, is dead. But I love phony. But I love, it's, how many of you run into some phony Christians? Come on now. Now don't raise your hand on this one. How many of you, that was you? <laughs> Amen. I believe. I ain't doing jack about it, but I believe. I'm not willing to commit to the action my relationship with God produces because I want to I want to hammer that home. Remember, faith is we. Faith is a persuasion. It's being fully persuaded. Faith is my positive response to what Jesus has done, and faith is my committed action based on my relationship with God. Because see, my relationship with God, my faith, God is going to begin, if he hasn't already, to talk to me and show me and tell me, hey, I need you to do this. Hey, I want you to do this. Hey, I invite you to do this. Hey, I inspire you to do this. Hey, because of who I am, And because of what you're coming to me for, this is the action step you need to take. And faith is that committed spirit of, I will do it. Right? I will do the actionable item. Does that make sense? So it says, so then, verse 18. But someone might object and say, one person has faith and another person has works. Go ahead then and prove to me. I love that. Go ahead then and prove to me that you have faith without works. And I will show you faith by my works as proof that I believe. Have you ever thought, what is the proof that I'm actually in faith? That I'm doing something. Mm-mm, no, hold on now. I'm not talking about, we're seeing results. Results will come. And that's why I want the little bit of shift. I, and I hear, I appreciate, and yes, Should we see results? Everybody should shake their head up and down. Yes. We should see. Should we expect results? Is it about results? It's about me doing what he said to do. See, results are God's department. Action is my department. Hold on two things. Yes, sir. Obey him. That's right. That's the action. That's what were you saying, Alicia? Too? Yeah. That's it. That's it. I get. Yeah, exactly. I get discouraged. Yeah, I, I get discouraged. Here's the thing. How many of you have been discouraged because something hadn't happened yet? Come on, I'll be honest. Right. The the whatever we thought, the whatever the result, whatever was going on, it hadn't hadn't happened yet. Listen, I can control what I do. The question is, is did God tell me to do it? And if I can say God told me to do it, then I'm doing it. And like we said before, and it's what did he tell me to do now? Remember we, we remember we said that? Remember, so Abraham, back to our story in Genesis, Abraham, here's God, go sacrifice your son. Abraham says, yes, sir. We looked at it. Abraham was so convinced in who God is and what he said about Isaac, his assumption was, well, if I kill him and burn him, God must be gonna raise him up from the dead. That's what the book of Hebrews says. So his persuasion was what God had said about Isaac, And he heard what God was asking him to do in that moment. And all Abraham said was, well, based on who God is, he's asked me to do this. It must mean he's going to raise him up. So here we go. I'm just going to go do it. But then when he gets ready to literally plunge in the knife, right? It says that God holds his hand and says, stop, don't kill him. I see that you actually believe. I see that you're committed to do what I say, and there was the ram in there. And remember, we said before that active listening. How many Isaacs have died because we went on what God said and not what he's saying? So it's active listening to God, and Lord, what do you want me to do now? Right? And I know this might open up, and and we'll take questions as things move forward. But let's keep reading. Where'd I leave off? 18. But someone might say, I object and say, one person has faith, the other person has works. Go ahead then, prove to me that you have faith without works. Let me ask this question. Can you prove that you have faith if you have no corresponding works? No. You can't. So my actions is the proof of faith. Now let me hear that. Make sure. I did not say actions is where faith come from. Where does faith come from? Hearing. And hearing what? What God is saying now. So faith comes from hearing, but hearing will produce action. And the action will show what I actually believe. So action is the litmus test. It's the proof of what I actually believe. Yes. That's why, again, please hear me. How do I know or how do I prove to myself what I believe? Something. I look at what I'm actually doing. Let, let, let's keep reading here. It's a hard drill to swallow, isn't it? Come on now, y'all, I'll pick on, I'm not picking on you, I'm picking on me, okay? Right? But my belly shows my faith. Uh, and I trust my own kid, and I must have a lot of faith, right? <laughs> well, you know what? I do. Because <laughs> apparently, I don't actually believe in exercise. Oh. Does, does that make sense? Come on, is that hard? We we have to, because listen, that's the real, that's where we have to be honest with ourselves. What am I actually doing? Remember I said in this whole time, not out of, but it just hits all of our life. We're going to talk about giving. We're going to talk about prosperity because of what this is. So if I am not generous, what does that say? I don't believe he's generous. If I don't give, do I say he provides? I don't. Hello? Come on, can I just be real real? If I don't share my faith with people, what am I actually saying? I don't believe in my salvation. Well no. come on because are you with me I'm not I'm I, being nice go, y'all don't throw rocks at me yeah and that's exactly right if I'm a writer feel like God's put something if I'm a if I'm a pastor or a preacher and I don't pastor people do I actually believe it no I don't Now, I'm not talking about when I get a pulpit. I'm not talking about when I make the top 10 New York Times bestseller list. I'm not talking about when I write the song that hits the charts. I'm talking about my actions show me what I actually believe. And I have to be willing to look at my actions and let my actions point me back and ask myself those questions. Why don't I believe that? Well, yeah. That, well, why, why? What? Where? Where is that the trip up? Where is the hang up? Is that? Is everybody all right? Y'all looking at me okay? Is this helpful? I mean, if not, we can talk about something else. I guess. Amen. Okay. Just making sure, as Selena's granddad used to say, if we don't like this, we can just talk about women. You know, that's what. It, that's it. I, loved, I wish Poppy was still alive. He was awesome. He goes Ah, well, hablamos de mujeres. Okay? Yeah, let's just talk about women. Amen. <laughs> hey, let's keep reading. Okay, verse nineteen. You can believe all you want that there is one true God. That is wonderful. But even the demons know this and tremble with fear before Him. Yet they are unchanged and they remain demons. Here is the thought that hit me. He realized that. That a lack of action is actually demonic. Because do the de- demons believe that God is God? Yes. According to James, he said yes. Demons believe in God, but why? Then why? If it was belief alone, then what? Why, what's the matter with demons? Their belief does not inspire any of their action. Wow. Isn't that the context James is saying? That's for some of our people who answer like back to my kids in the back row, right? We've had friends ask us questions about faith. Well, the demons believe, right? Well, it well, it's it's not anything about belief. Here's about, well, yeah, they believe, but they don't act on what they believe. And that's what keeps them as demons. <laughs> Come on, go look at me, all right. Go here. My unwillingness to do what God has asked me to do is demonic. No mm-hmm. I any other straighter way to say it than that? Demon is influenced by Well, it makes me the same as a demon, uh, and, and not in the sense of okay, that's a little stretch. Yeah, thank you. Well, I'm back in office today. Thank you. She's helping, but because I'm not. But what I'm saying is, think about it. what makes a demon a demon. Is it because he doesn't believe in God? Because James says they believe in God. So what makes a demon a demon? They don't let what they believe inspire what they do. According to this one verse, that's what. so if I don't let what I believe inspire what I do, then I'm just in the same company as demons. Because that's what demons do. I'm not saying we are demons. I'm not saying you are a demon. I'm not saying you're going to hell. I got to do all the disclaimers. But just think, But what, why else would James put that in the middle of this conversation? Again, who's doing the talking? James. Who is he talking to? He's talking to believers. He's talking to the church that where he pastored. What's the subject under discussion in this passage? Faith and works. Faith and action. So in the middle of this conversation of faith and works, he says, Look, take demons for an example. They believe but they don't do. That's why they're demons. Good. We we also say it also shows that there is no intro. That's Very good. Yeah, there is no middle. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? But guys, listen. I, hopefully, this is good. I wanted this to be more positive than it seems like it's being. But listen, it listen. Listen. So that means, what does God ask you to do? And the very fact that you know him for who he is, you've engaged him for who he is, right? That relational engagement, you heard his voice, he led you into an action, you begin to do that action, and you're going to see him present in your life, right? Because again, I say all that because, listen, so much of where we are in this culture around us, right, the sovereignty of God message keeps people inactive. Why? Because God is, but He ain't. (laughs) Does that make sense? So many people around us wondering why God hasn't moved. And He's like going, well, You came, you sought me as X, you sought me as provider, we'll just keep that way, we'll use X, you sought me as Jehovah Jireh, You, you, you needed whatever, you needed money, you needed a bill paid, you needed something done, you needed this, you needed whatever it is you needed, you came and you sought me, and I told you to go do something, and you didn't do it, because you were waiting on me to do something. He guides us, but it's in the, but I want us to really fit in in, to me in in my own self, because we'll get, it's become quite inspiring. I hope it does for you too. Because the fact is, is that God rewarded you with the relationship with him in that relationship. He gave you what you were looking for, which is the next step for you to walk out so you could see him manifested in your life. Do you see that? So there will be a result. I promise. Is that right, Courtney? You're holding him, aren't you? Like literally in your hands. You're holding him. So there all there will be results. But I, the focus is in the relationship and in the hearing. And then, the commitment to do once I hear, and then, unless he changes like Abraham, unless he stops me midway, I'm doing whatever he says as long as he's talking to me. <laughs> Listen to me, does that make sense i'm gonna i'm gonna be i'm gonna do I've committed myself to I will do this yes, amen. I've committed myself. Again, I will love my wife as I see Scripture tell me to do. And I don't care if she has a bad day. I will love her. I don't care if I'm having a bad day. I will love her. Amen. Oh, no. I don't care if if everything in life hair lips the devil. Right? Again, I don't care. When the South, aren't we safe? well, God willing, if what is it? If the creek don't rot. If the creek rises, I'm doing it anyway. I don't care if the creek rises. I don't care if hell freezes over. I don't care if pigs fly. I don't care in whatever. God has said, do something. So I will do it all my life. Yeah, very good. Why? Because I believe. I'm committed. Yes, sir. Slavery, Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Cool. I don't care if what? things don't rise up. Well, you know, I love it. I think, thank you. I did not know that. I'm a history buff. But hey, I don't care if every hostile, savage force in my life decides to go on the war path and they're after my hair. I do not care. God has said something. I will do it and I won't stop doing it. Well, It ain't working. I don't care if it's not working. Come on. I don't care if my giving doesn't look like it's bringing back the hundredfold return. I didn't give to give a hundredfold return. I gave because he talked to me, I heard his voice, he's Jehovah-Jireh, and he said, tithe. And so I will just tithe. Yes. Very well. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Well, we look at what God says. Do we don't look at what comes out of the vending machine? Guys, listen to me. I, I look at what has God said. Why? Because my action is the response to what I actually believe. Now, will my a good place to me? Will my action produce hundred percent? I believe it always will. Again, I'm going to pick on Courtney. She's holding a baby. I love the fact we believe God with Courtney and Josh for a baby. Amen. There was some action involved. Don't have to talk about it right here. Right. But, but there was some action involved, right? Amen. Baby came. That's I love that was Abraham's story. Did you have y'all ever thought about that? God shows up to an impotent man who physically cannot perform what's needed. And says you're going to have a lot of kids, and he trusted and believed God, and somewhere in there, he had to act. Yeah. He had to be. Pers- I mean, I, and I, we got kids present. I'm going to try to keep this as G-rated as I can. He had to act maybe before he could perform. He had to respond. And in an action, no, you keep reading because it's here. Amen. Oh, feeble, verse 20, still passionate. Oh, feeble sons of Adam, do you need further evidence that faith divorced from good works is phony? Phony, phony baloney. So faith without good works is what? Phony. It's not actually faith. Right? Do you need further evidence? Verse 21. Wasn't our ancestor Abraham found righteous before God because of his works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Right? Can't you see how his action cooperated with his faith and by his action, faith found its full expression? I want y'all to, I want to say one more time, I want you to write that down as a compassion can't you see that by his action, faith found its full expression? What what gives full expression to our faith? Our action. Harmony with what he did. His faith was in harmony with what he did. Amen. Come on. I could make a plug for e-harmony right there. You know, if you're single. If you're out there single, you believe in God for a mate, are you on e-harmony? Is your faith working in e-harmony with your action? <laughs> Come on. I know we, I'm trying to make this light. I, hopefully nobody feels condemned. But listen, I, I want to sit there and inspire us that it is in the doing that faith has expression. and in, And until the doing is clear... And the doing is attempted. Faith lies dormant. I have never said that before. I hope somebody wrote that down. Right? So see, when the the hearing, when the doing is clear, we've heard. And then the doing is attempted. I go for it. Then faith is activated. Otherwise, it lies dormant. Does that make, see it's like a seed remember the seed like a, a corn seed or a watermelon seed right when is it activated when it's planted in the earth but 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 somebody had to look at that seed and go this has to be done something with right and then when it's done something with it has full expression. Amen so, so let's keep reading and see if we will talk. Amen. I love that. verse 23. So in this way the scripture is fulfilled because Abraham believed God and his faith was exchanged for God's righteousness. Abraham's faith alone was exchanged for righteousness. Abraham's faith demonstrated was exchanged for righteousness. Do y'all see in this context? Yes. that, That Abraham expressing his faith in the action of obedience to God demonstrated the full expression of that belief and brought righteousness into Abraham's life. Well we you look at Judas mm-hmm. life, he just couldn't go and see. he don't believe and say I am God he did miracles. Very good. Very good. Well that's what and, and, and he says that, right? He says that to the crowds those times. He says, Well, if you don't believe me because of what I say, you should at least believe me because of what I do. <laughs> Speak it out loud. Yes. Teaching faith to close up ends for myself. So say that one more time. Or again. Yes. Speak out loud. Yes. That's exactly right. And I love what you just said there, Alicia, because, hey, listen, the first actual action is the most obvious and it's the easiest. I'm going to tell you what I believe. <laughs> I'm going to start by saying something. This is where real faith confession comes in. I'm just going to, since you brought it up, I'm just going to make some clarifications because I grew up in Word of Faith. I love Word of Faith. I'm not picking on Word of Faith. I love Brother Hagin, but something that got into error in Word of Faith was a little bit of what y'all have ever been here long enough I've called Pentecostal witchcraft, Right? where the belief was if I just said it long enough and often enough, and every now and then if I said it with a little bit more um, then it was the multitude of my words and saying that brought it to pass, right? And no, that, that doesn't happen. How many of you have seen those people and they still ain't got what they're asking God for, right? Does that make sense? Does that mean there is no such thing as the confession of faith? That's not true either, right? Remember, just because there's error, how many of you know there's a lot of error about heaven that's being taught and has been for years? How many of you are still plan on going? <laughs> just because there's a multitude of error about heaven doesn't mean I'm not going to go. Does that make sense? Just like there, how many of you know there's a multitude of error about giving? How many of you ever would say, does that mean that there is no truth in it and we should stop just because there's tons of error out there? Not at all. Yeah. Uh, the word in the book is not error. People yeah. commit yeah. error. Very good. Very good. That's right, Kurt. Don't get that confused. That's right. What God says in here is not error. Sometimes what we do, and I can just say that, and many times, Kurt, in the error, it's in the best of intentions. Many times for ministers, we really are trying to help people as best as we understand. Right. And so we try to say, well, if you'll just do this, then that'll cause it to work. Right. Instead of saying, no, 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 it's the process that got you to the do this. Again, y'all have heard me say this before, and I'll say it as long as I as I'm in. The most important phrases. I love that Katie and we're doing testimonies up here. I love that we're doing testimonies and giving thanks. But you know, the most important words in any testimony given are normally the first five or six. When the person stands up and says, well, God told me. <laughs> and many times when people, do, I always want to stop and go, did y'all hear that? Did y'all hear those first opening? So let's listen to what comes after that. But the most important part is God told me. Again, like I never forget, and when we were at Ramah, this happened. This This is a true story. We were there. One of the students, God told them, give away your car, right? So they, in obedience, went and gave away their car. And like a day or two later, somebody rolls up and hands them the keys to a new car. And of course, as we do in church world, Come up here and testify. And they got up in front of the student body, and this is what God did. And God told me to give away my car, and we did it. And there was this one other student who heard that and said, sweet, if I give away my car, I'll get another car. So he gives away his car and walks the rest of the year. (laughs) Because God didn't tell him, give away his car. He was just saying, sweet, pathway to a new car. Is give away a car. Does that make sense? But the, the the secret sauce is in, but yet back to the person who did that. But that young man who heard from God had to do what God said. And in the do and he didn't know what was gonna happen. He didn't know the result. He didn't know for sure. He was, it wasn't like a guarantee. Sweet, if I give away this car, they're gonna roll it. He just said, God said, give away my car. So he said, okay, are, are you, and he just obeyed, why? Because the reward was, guys, listen, we've, and I'm trying to tie all this together, I hope I'm doing an okay job. Remember this whole story of Israel, God tells Israel in Deuteronomy, I want you to look back over the history of man and tell me if there's anything greater than you hearing from God. And he said, there is nothing greater. There is nothing greater in human history than you and I hearing God say something and us simply going, okay, God, I'll do it. I'll do it. And and, and again, and I may do it scared. <laughs> Sometimes faith is not free from scared. Amen. <laughs> I can't tell. You, I've done more stuff scared than I probably did it brave. Are you with me. We're gonna go move to where? I mean, I mean, we left and people. God said go to Mexico. You know, we didn't want to go to Mexico. I don't know if I've ever told you all that story when we we're getting out of Bible college. And I, and I'll kind of stop here just for a second. And we're gonna tell some things. Everybody doing okay? Because I want this to be to be very practical and real, and uh, I'm gonna get vulnerable for a second in a minute to show you. Because remember, I don't do any. I'm not asking you to do something I'm not willing to do myself. Right? Never. That's called spiritual bluff. We don't lead people that way. We don't lead people into places I'm not willing to go. Right. So, but we're there. We're we're in Bible. College, our greatest desire was to work with Selena's family. Right. And so we're coming to the end of our time at Rama, And one day, I forget what, one day on a Thursday, I think on a Thursday, Selena's dad comes up to us and says, hey, I want to invite y'all to come down and work with us in Guatemala. And we're like, hallelujah, praise God. First time in years, this is awesome. Everything we ever dreamed. Woo. Friday, Pastor Hagen calls me into his office and says, hey, uh, we're leaving. We're going to go down to Mexico this weekend. We want you to go with us. (laughs) And I want you to see if you'll go down there and work in Mexico. I'm like, well, okay. And I'm thinking, sweet, I'll go. Free trip to Mexico. And, And I already, you know, go down to Mexico. And God says, I need you to come here. Same voice that I followed him. Out, left home here and went somewhere else. Knew that voice, fought it. That whole—it's the suckiest trip to Mexico ever. Whole weekend on the inside. Now I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Knowing the moment my feet—now I'm just—knowing the moment my feet got off that plane and I hit Mexican ground. God said, "You'll be here." I don't know if you felt the same way, but I can look back. And I stood there and go, "Oh." Whole rest of that weekend. I'm trying to plow this stuff because I was then getting excited because I didn't like it. So I thought, oh, I ain't got no peace. Amen. They told us you just follow peace. <laughs> and I ain't got no peace. I get to go to whole weekend. Whole weekend. Just knowing. Just knowing. Man, I think we're supposed to come. And we kind of talked about it, didn't like it, if you remember in the hotel room. <laughs> Let I mean, go back home, at least praise God. We had enough good sense to obey what they taught us. Went home, prayed on it some more. And the more I was home and in our little duplex and I'd come to God and pray about it, then it got stronger and stronger and stronger. Yeah, we need to go. Then I sat down with my father-in-law and said, I'm so grateful. We'll do nothing more than to come and help y'all. But I feel like we're supposed to go to Mexico. Made all them people mad. Made my family mad. Didn't talk to us for like six, seven months. Are you with me? But no. Guys, listen, no. When we went, said, so okay, we're going to Mexico. Went with $100. That's all we had. I have two suitcases and $100 in the bank. And only $100 saying that people would continue to give us and i thinking, does that make sense? Yeah. Why do I say that? Listen, because when it comes to prosperity, when it comes to following God, what are you willing to sacrifice? So that's the Abraham story. Remember, we and, and to kind of try to bring this into where I've been wanting to go for weeks. Remember, Abraham, he heard God. God said, give up what you've been believing me for. Will you sacrifice what I gave you? Because listen, many times when there's these questions in these stories, we're going to look at, what are you willing to sacrifice? Because guys, I wish I could tell you that hearing the voice of God will never produce sacrifice. I would be lying to you. It typically only is sacrifice. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Why did you do that Well, so I could teach you. If I could pull full circle, he, he sent me there because I didn't know he had given me a gift. I didn't know he had given me a gift to teach. Right? But in Mexico, that got that got forged in me. How many of y'all, in a, if I talk about me, is that okay? I'm always so. But lucked to talk about me because I don't want to be prideful. But I can't talk about you, but I've got to let you know what it looks like. And the only story I have to tell is my own. Does that make sense? Right? Because my goal is never to stand up here and ever say I am something bigger than I actually am by God alone. Many of you have said you've expressed things that you see things, and man, you're you're smooth, and you you say things this way, or you. It's amazing when you do. Because that has nothing to do with me. She has everything to do with. I said yes, and I went when it hurt. I mean, I'm joking. Going down there, we finally said yes, and we're going down there, and I'm all I get to be a Bible school teacher. And I never want to teach history of the church or Bible interpretation or history of the Bible. Amen. But I'm willing to go. Amen. Director picks us up. He reaches under the seat. He hands Selena a big bundle of tape. Selena, starting Monday, we landed in Mexico on a Friday. He says, starting Monday morning, you're going to teach on the ABCs of healing. Well, that's an exciting topic reaches under the same seat, grabs a bundle of stuff, hands it to me. And Brad, this is what you're going to teach Monday morning. Turn and look over the spines, history of the church. And I thought, what in the world? Didn't want to. to." Hello? But it's what I was asked to do. So you go in and say, all right, Lord, help me. This and he began to forge. So why did God send me to Mexico? Because he could forge a gift on the inside of me for your benefit. Does that make sense? For nothing more. Went through all I mean, we don't have times. We had great times in Mexico. I don't want to make it Mexico was amazing and it was horrible all at the same time. For real. Some of my Some of my biggest victories and successes. I mean, I've told you the stories, right? I mean, we're walking home from work one day. I mean, we lived on this two blocks from the school and on the corner, there was the local drug and alcohol distribution center that was not legal. Also known as the Communist Party of Mexico, which is funny enough, that's what it said on the side of the building. <laughs> and so all the potheads and dope heads and alcoholics, all the addicted people hung out right there, and we had to pass by them going to and from work, walking, right? And there I'm walking with my young, lovely wife, and this guy makes a beeline for me, right? And goes, Trabacas por el jefe, Trabacas por el jefe, which means you work for the chief, you work for the chief. And I'm thinking, this guy is crazy. And he's making a beeline for us. Trabajas por el jefe, you work for the chief. And he just keeps shouting it. Oh, güero. Basically, honky. Blondie, but the not nice version of Blondie, right? Oye, güero, güero. Trabajas por el jefe. He gets about for me to Selena, and I got my wife behind me because I have no idea what's about to happen. We've already seen people robbed and stabbed and murdered and all kinds of stuff. So I put my wife behind me, and he walks through a curtain. And he's sober that fast and goes, you're a minister of God, aren't you? So I've seen things. Same place, biggest hurt. Told we were one thing. Told we were this. And it was all a lie. Not an intentional one. They just didn't have an ability to do what they thought they could do. Guys, listen to me. But we heard from God, and faith was formed, and faith was acted out, and faith produced. But it's produced always in the action. Yes. Does that is produced and like Abraham's story? I, I want to say that we're going to read through a bunch of stories. Everybody doing okay? Amen. Everybody looking smile. I'm trying not to. Look at each other and smile, and I say, "Brad's talking to you." <laughs> Amen. But listen, like they, because we're talking about God is Jehovah Jireh. Let's look again. Abraham, or Abraham story there in Genesis 22, and and the question: If we we're gonna write these questions down, because they're they're they they really come up so funny. I was telling Selena where I thought we might go today. She goes, "Wow, where'd you read that?" I said, "Holy Ghost," and yes, mm hmm. It's also a larger team. That's a ton of reward. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Even if you fail. Because I wish I could say, I mean some of that I didn't do it all right either. I mean, I wish I mean it's not like again when you even talk about, it. I mean, I'm sure I disappointed the people that we work for in every country I've been in. I mean, in every country I've been, I've seen people I've hurt. I didn't mean to. Wasn't my intention, right? I've been hurt in return. I'm sure they didn't mean to. Wasn't their intention. Because I try to be as raw and honest as I know. because there's, Don't try to escape pain. It's about comfort. It's not about success. It's about I heard him. Heard him. Heard his voice. He told me what to do. And in the obedience of doing it, my faith was brought to full expression. Does that make sense? And that faith forged something of God on the inside of me. And it forged things of God in my life. Right, That have brought me all the way through to where we stand right now and where we're going. Does that make sense? So if you want, I'm going to tell you real quick some stories. I'm going to share one thing. We'll talk about, So again, Genesis chapter 22, we've written down. If you want to write down, I want you to go back over and look at these because they're a, a pathway. So the question from the Abraham story is, what am I willing to sacrifice? What am I willing to give up? Again, if I can put a whole bunch of stuff together again, he is Jehovah Jireh. He is the God that provides. He is the God that will sufficiently and abundantly supply. But we have to be willing to give up whatever it might look like we're giving up. Does that make sense? I mean, if you want to write this down, 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 8 to 16. And you can read these and we probably need to talk about them in the groups and the days ahead, weeks ahead. So this is the famous story, if you'll allow me, this is the famous story of Elijah and the widow woman. If you remember how it goes, uh, God prophesies through Elijah and Elijah prophesies and says it's not going to rain for three and a half years, right? And then he takes off and he's at a brook called Cherif and the birds come and feed him and bring him bread and meat. And then it says, and then because of the drought, the, the brook dries up. So God says to Elijah, he says, I want you to go and he names a city and in that city there'll be a certain widow woman she'll take care of you so Elijah gets up and travels to the city he's in the by the way if I'm reading the story right he walks into the city one of the first people he meets is a widow woman so Elijah being like me because that must be her he just assumes God said widow he didn't say her name there's a widow so he turns and says hey make me something and she goes well hey listen sorry dude hate to disappoint you i'm actually about to go make our last meal and me and my son we're going to die and then elijah says this make me one first because listen prosperity looks like what are you willing to do first to be honest, that is one of the biggest principles in the tithe. It's not about the amount. It's not about the quantity. It's about what am I willing to do first? Right? What what, what am I willing? In, and there's a pattern in God that's like that. Right? He's the firstborn of many brethren. It's the first fruit offering. You look through a pattern of God, and there's a pattern of firsts. Guys, listen, what are what are you willing to do first? Right? Might be tithing and something, but not just that. I'm willing to do what God says first. Sure. God's talked to me. What, again, this whole process, God said something to me to have in our attitude and our mind, I'm going to do what God said to do first today. As I go to plan and organize and structure my life, let me do what God said first. It's very good. Amen. I'm gonna do that first. I know I got other duties to do. I got other things I need to attend to. I understand the fullness of life. But it's this whole, will I do God's thing first? Again, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We can do a whole it's this attitude of prosperity. I'm going to do what God says first. I'm going to look at today. I'm going to look at tomorrow. I'm going to go to the word. And again, please say, this all begins. Where does faith begin? Hearing the word of God, right? So if you're like, well, Brad, what does that start? Where? I mean, you've been doing this for, ever. how long you've been doing this? Where do I begin? You, you go to the Bible first, Right? Again, I'm facing a circumstance. I'm facing a situation in my life. I'm going to go to the Bible first. What does the Bible say about that? And then, okay, I'm going to do that first. (laughs) I love what Dusty used to say when he was with us. Hey, listen, uh, doesn't mean you can't seek something else second. But I'm going to seek God out first. And I'm going to not just seek out the knowledge first. It's going to be my first action. Does that make sense? If I can just say we talked about, I think that's where tithing plays a big deal. Before I plan anything else, I'm going to give my tithe. Because we have been putting that even more these days into practice in our household. I get paid on every other Friday. And I'm, and and I'm just being on, I'm walking through first thing when I see that money hit, first thing I do is I take out what we've determined to give and I put it aside in a whole nother place. Why? Because for too much of our life, we've done it down the road and look up and go, oh, where'd it go? <laughs> oh, that bill got it because it's automated. <laughs> I'm just, we put off, we put X, Y, Z on auto. And we weren't quick to do it, and we autoed the tithe to the power company. All right. <laughs> so we're talking about, I'm gonna do it first, and just first. Does this help? Do it first. Next story, second Kings chapter four, verses one through seven. Amen. And this is the story of Elisha and another widow lady. So if you if you've read the story before if not, real quick, brief story. So Elijah who was Elisha's mentor, Elijah had a school of the prophets and there was all these people that were prophets. Well, one of the prophets died and left this lady a widow and she had two sons. Well, Elisha had gone on to the Lord and Elijah had gone on to the Lord and Elisha was in charge. So she comes and says, hey, husbands died, creditors have come and they're going to sell the boys into slavery and cover the cost of the debt. Right? And she's basically, and so Elijah says, well, what do you want me to do? And she's like, well, duh, I need to know what to do. This is the Brad version, right? So she's going to go, what do I do? This is, I got this major financial situation going, what do I do? And Elisha says, well, what do you have? She goes, well, all I've got is about an inch worth of oil in the bottom of a jar, he says, Awesome, good. I want you to go and borrow every container, every vessel in town that you can get your hands on. Right? And so she does, and he gives her this instruction as the story. You might have not heard the story before, but we need to finish the story. So those who don't, so literally, this widow woman, I love this little woman. she goes, Okay, God's man said. Go get every vessel. So she puts the boys to work, and they go around that whole village, town, wherever they were, and they borrow every empty pot, jar, anything that was empty they could get their hands on, they borrowed it. And then the man of those said, now get in your house, close the windows, shut up the doors, right? Amen. And begin to pour that oil into those vessels. And I love how Keith Moore always tells the story. I can't not tell the story without hearing his voice in my head. So there's this mama. You remember this? He told us this in Ramah. And she doesn't know what's going to happen. She's just doing what God said do. Right? So she begins to pour the vessels in. And when she starts seeing after probably about the first dozen vessels that she ain't running out of oil, she's like me and you. She gets real nervous. She doesn't want to mess this up. Come on now. So she probably freezes. And now the boys are putting pots up under there, and then they they fill up. It says they fill up every vessel, and finally they fill the last vessel up. And as Keith Moore can only say, she says, all right, boy, put the next vessel there. She goes, Mama, we're out. Don't play with me. (laughs) Don't mess with me. he goes, no. And they said, in the moment they realized all the vessels, the oil stopped. It dried up. Listen to me. Are you willing to start with what you have? And quit making excuses saying I don't have enough. Excuse. I know. I don't have enough of this. I don't have enough of that. I don't have enough time, money. I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I don't have enough. And here, right, the the quote the prosperity looks like, are you willing to start with what you got? Yeah. And go to God and say, Lord, what do I do with what I have? What do I do with what I have on hand? And I'm going to let you do something with what I have. Guys, listen. One of the things God's going to do with our church, right, is we're going to be a place where people come and they learn how to prosper. Now I'm going to, for time's sake, these are things I see and I have to repent and apologize to you because there's been things I've been afraid to say. For a week or so now, I heard Brother Andrew talk about limiting God and thinking small. And God was talking to me and he says, you've been doing that. You've been afraid to say what you see. And just like, because what happens if it doesn't happen? What happened if it doesn't come out? What happened if it doesn't work right? What happened if, what happens? Listen, we will be a place where people will come and they will learn how to prosper. They will learn how to get their soul to prosper. And we will show them how to actually finally do real biblical prosperity that includes giving, but is not limited to giving. Because, guys, listen to me. If I can just be honest, if it was just about giving, every believer in the world around us should be exceedingly wealthy. Because I I, I refuse to believe that we're surrounded by uh, non-generous Christians. Yeah. I just think what has happened is is we haven't actually helped people understand how to start with what they have, how to be willing to sacrifice when God talks to them, how to be willing to do stuff when they're afraid, and they don't know where it's going to come from, but they'll go for it anyway. Does that make sense? And that's going to start with you and I. The word of the Lord that God has said for each and every one of you, and I know we, we highlighted Kurt and Alicia earlier, it's not just for them, although you will help lead. Amen. But there will be a group here of people that you're going to come from historic poverty, right? But, but you're going to go into historic prosperity, but it's going to be a whole, and I'm sorry, it's going to be a whole hell of a lot of work. You're gonna be tireder than you've ever been. You're gonna, and, and I'm and I'm with you, I'm about to, and but we gotta be willing. Amen. Does that make sense? Is that is that, is that helpful? Oh, is that exciting? Amen. I we're gonna be a place where people come and all they're gonna say is, man, we've seen, we've seen God take these church people up a notch. We've seen God prosper people. Will you teach me how to do that? Will you teach me what it looks like? Will you teach me what it is and will help people? Will help people start businesses? Will help people start companies? Amen. I mean, the, the word of the Lord came to me. It was weird. I didn't know what to do with it. And actually two words. I'll just, I mean, when Selena was pregnant with Caleb, we didn't even know it. I don't know if you ever heard the story, and so we didn't even know it was a boy. Oh, she wasn't pregnant yet, but she goes to Guatemala. Amen. And she bumps into a man who was a prophet. And he says, your next child will be a son. And it was him sitting right there. Right. And he says, and your husband has an ability with money. And I fought that. I haven't believed it. How do I know? Because I haven't acted like it. Yeah. He said, but your husband will have an ability with money. Last year, Brother Jerome Fernando from Sri Lanka over a Zoom call looked at me and he says, you have fiscal wisdom from the kingdom of God and you will guide companies. And some of those are sitting in this room. Does that make sense? But listen to me. What I know, one thing that doesn't get taught in the prosperity message is that with no willingness to work hard, there will be no real prosperity. No wi- willingness to think beyond today and into three generations, and to sacrifice for the future of a, of a wealth that can be, there will be no prosperity. Really, you may bump into pieces of it. But there won't be long-term prosperity. I'm talking about when we say we will be a place where people become multi-generationally wealthy. That they will leave an inheritance for their children and their children's children. And will have children that are wise enough and smart enough to not mess it up. Are you with me? Amen. I'll just go. We will see then therefore multi-generational families coming to this church. There are already some of them here, but we will see families that will become our norm where grandparents, parents, and their grandchildren will all go to church together. And we will break the cycle of generations leaving and going somewhere else. Amen. Are you with me? Now, now I say, are you with me? Not just amen, praise God, that sounds good. I need you to be with me because what are you willing to sacrifice to help us get there? What are you willing to start with that's in your hand? What are you willing to do first? What am I willing to do first? Does this make sense? Amen. Again, I love this. Y'all are it's okay. So Matthew chapter 17, verse 24, another story. Now, this is one. Have you ever been confused by this story? Why in the world did Jesus tell Peter to go fishing that day? You remember that? The story goes like this, that Peter comes up and says, those that do the temple tax have come and have asked the question, does your master pay the temple tax? Now, a little bit of history is going to help us. Number one, Jesus wasn't poor. Number two, Jesus could have reached into his pocket or at least Judas's, right? He could have reached into a bank account and pulled out the coin to pay the tax. What I learned and I didn't know before, that tax was unfair and it was unlawful. It was a religious tax put on people by the church alone, not by Rome. And it excised things over people that was not there. And it was really a challenge of Jesus's commitment to God. Is really what they were saying. It wasn't, can you pay the tax? It was, oh, was your master, does he do all the right stuff? And Jesus is like, oh, really? We're going there. Okay, Peter, why don't you go fishing? That's why Jesus paid it in a unique way. Right? Hmm. So the question on this one is, are you willing to do something that will sound strange? Right. Are you willing to do something that will sound strange? And really, if I can just add a little bit of Brad in there, just a little bit. Is that all right? Let me just bring it myself. And it's just going to make you mad because it's going to be people coming and they're going to be testing you. Are you really that? Are you really, did God really say, is that really who you are, right? And there might be a challenge that comes sometimes, amen, but you're going to say, all right, we're going to do this one different. Are you willing to do something that will sound strange? You could reach, and I love, see, the attitude of Jesus was, is Jesus never went to what was automatic, does that make sense? In this case, could Jesus have paid that tax? It was really such a minuscule bill. It wasn't that Jesus was poor. Jesus could have just said, "Well, here, give it to him and get him to shut up." But Jesus was always about, "No, no, no. Let's get him to not shut up. Let's get him to go wow. <laughs> Can we get him to go? You did what? We went fishing. We pulled the tax." Because you know, P- Peter just didn't just go and say, Oh, there it is. Give me a receipt. <laughs> I think, now this is Brad. This is Brad saying, I think Peter didn't throw that fish back. That was not a catch and release day. I think Peter takes a fish to the tax collectors, coin still in its mouth. Let me pay that tax. Uh. Shakes a shakes fish out. And they're like, Well, where'd that? Well, Jesus said, Go fishing, and he'd take care of them. Cause listen, I I want us to expect God's going to ask us, why don't you do it this way? And you can be like, well, there's an easier way. God, can't I just write a check? Can I just can I just Venmo that over there? And he's going to say, how about we have some fun with this? Why don't you do it this way? Are you willing to go fishing? Are you willing to do something strange? Amen. Luke, Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verse 10 through 17. Famously, this is Luke's account of the feeding of the 5,000. Oh, I'm sorry. Matthew chapter 17, 24 through 27. That's the fish. Luke chapter 9, verses 10 through 17 is the feeding. Luke's account of the feeding of the five. father. Many know that, right? I'm going to just tell a brief story. You remember Jesus had gone out. He was teaching. The people went with him. They apparently didn't take any food. They didn't know Jesus was going long. I know I'm pushing 1230, but Jesus did three days. Aren't you glad I don't do that long? Amen. Aren't you glad? I mean, some of y'all, I mean, you know, I, you know, Jesus went like had three day messages, We ain't even been to a church service that long before. He just went three days and nobody took a lunch. Do some stuff. So anyway, so Jesus go, he's there and and they come and they say, man, the people are hungry. Remember, Jesus started that conversation with this. He says, well, you feed them. Remember that? And Philip goes, well, if we had 200 denarii worth, Now, this is, if you look, that's probably what was on Judas or in the bag at the time, which was 200 days worth of pay. Because a denarius is simply a day's wage. So you can take whatever you make a day, multiply it by 200, and that's the petty cash fund Jesus had on him. Had almost a year's worth of salary, roughly about $20,000. Roughly, if you look at it, as I've done research on that. So Philip says, if we cash out the bank account, we still can't do it. So the whole point of this story was, is no matter what was going on, it was not enough. Wouldn't you like to have a problem that wasn't $20,000 enough? Can I just throw that in there? I want to have some big problems, y'all. Come on. Well, we were sitting under one. Twenty-five thousand dollars. I ain't got twenty-five thousand dollars to put a roof on this place, and the other money that's going to be done, and other things that I see—the deck that we're going to build on the front, the thing we're going to build on the back, the color we're going to paint the building—and that's just a building. And I don't really much care about buildings. Yeah. Amen. But I'm really more excited about the idea of how would we like to teach the people in around this area that don't know how to read, and they're an adult. We can help them read. That's what I want to do. How about we, as we talk about that, we we actually offer things that are here where people come and they learn how to, again, start businesses. And we actually help people get out of poverty. Amen. We already got Alcoholics Anonymous here. If y'all don't know that, it comes on Monday nights. Amen. And twofold, I'll just talk about that real quick. Not that I'm necessarily, and I love y'all if y'all watch this. I'm not necessarily a big fan of Alcoholics Anonymous on one side. Certain things, it doesn't matter. Yeah of the actual, some of the programs of what it has done and how it's watered certain things down. But the people are awesome, I mean, I, and I love them. But how about this? We have Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, Pornographers Anonymous. Any other anonymous people we need to have in here? Because if y'all haven't noticed, seemingly God has put us in communities that are surrounded by addiction. Because this campus is, the Jasper campus is, the Gunnerville campus is. So, how about we help people actually get free from addiction? Actually, help them build a life and build something that's better. Are you with me? See, those that takes money and resources. That takes a. Does that make sense? That we that we will do, and that will be a part of all that we do where we go. So pray with me into that, what that looks like. I have no idea the actual mechanics of how that's going to look. I'm just excited how it started. Now, again, back to Alcoholics Anonymous real quick, AA that's here. They're actually, and I'll just say, I think they're just a test to see if we'll actually love a community. Because when they called me, what they said was "Is the church where they were meeting got bought out by somebody else. They didn't say who, and I didn't ask. But another church bought where they were meeting, and the new church going in didn't want anything to do with them. So they said, you can't meet here no more. So they went to Chief Prater and Warrior, and he mentioned our name. Doesn't that sound like a word of the Lord that just came out? I've met with Chief Prater once. It's not like me and Chief Crater are buddies. We don't have coffee all the time. I met him once on accident in a coffee shop. But when Swan group came, they knew who we were. And I secretly think it was a test by our city to see if we'd actually do something different than other people do would actually help our community. So that was instant to me. Like, I don't have to believe everything they believe. I don't have to agree with everything they agree with. Ah, it's not about that. <laughs> it's we love the people God's planted us by. Does that? Is this okay? But we will help people come out of addiction. We will help people walk free from sin. Really free from sin. They meet Monday nights at 7 o'clock. Same time Kevin and the men meet in here and they meet in the fellowship hall. Amen. Guys, so, are you with me? So here's what the story of Jesus and the 5,000, it wasn't enough. But will you bless what you have anyway? That's the question from these stories. Because remember, they didn't have enough. So Jesus, again, Jesus went somewhere strange. And he said, give me the five sardines and the two rich crackers that belong to the little boy. And I'll bless what we have, and I'll show you what the blessing on the inside of you will do if you'll just be willing to bless what you think is not enough. Does that make sense? Guys, to tie this back into giving, bless you. To tie this back into giving, if you've been nervous at any time in the history of our church here about giving, will you just bless what you have? I would encourage you to give a tithe simply because it's where it starts in the Bible. I want to be real clear with this. Not because if you don't, you're going to be cursed. That's right. Does that make sense? I promise you, if you don't pay your tithe, nothing bad is going to happen to your car, your cat, or your kid. Because God has blessed you. Does that make sense? It's... It was just, that was part of the error. Does that make sense? Amen? Yeah. It's always the tithe from the beginning with Abraham has always been a response of faith. All we've talked about. Here's the history of the tithe in case you haven't read it. It's back in Genesis, right? Abraham is facing an impossible situation. His whole household has been conquered and swept away. Right by, and I, I tell the kids the story by King Cheddar and his cheesy friends. If you read the story, there's a king, and his name sounds like cheddar cheese, and that's why I just called him King Cheddar and his cheesy friends to the kids. Amen. But this king and five other kings together capture Lot, capture Sodom, sweep Abraham's family away. One guy escapes, runs back to Abraham, and says, "They got you. They got your nephew. They got your family. They took them off captive." So Abraham turns to his 316 or 18 trained warriors, which I think is pretty cool. They were the first 300 way before, right? I mean, way before. So they were like the first original 300. But hey, guys, listen, if I say five kings, five armies, I do not care how bad those 316 guys might have been that Abraham, they could have been like warrior ninja superheroes. (laughs) It wasn't enough people. That's right. Right? So Abraham says, well, boys, we got to go try. We got to get them back. So they go and whoop up on all five kings. Free everybody. Get them all back in. On the way home, all of a sudden, the good king of Sodom shows up. Well, let me back up. First off, a man by the name of Melchizedek shows up. Right? So Melchizedek is a big $5 word for this Sunday is a a Christophany. And a Christophany simply means he's a pre-Bethlehem appearance of Jesus. Right? So Jesus shows up in the person of Melchizedek and goes, Blessed be Abraham from God most high, maker of heaven and earth. And then Abraham tithes. So which one came first? Which one came first? Which one came first? Which one came first? Did Abraham tithe to get the blessing? Did he tithe to try to earn the blessing? He knew God, because he's the one who said Jehovah Jireh. He heard God say, you are blessed by God most high, the maker of heaven and earth. His response was, oh, tithe. Yeah. If you ever hear any, I don't you ever hear, I know there's tons of tithing teaching that have gone around. I agree with some of it, I disagree with a larger majority of it. Simply because we have we have tried to talk people into paying off a malicious deity. When you go back to the beginning and it was simply that same basis, God said, You are blessed. Abraham said, Well, if I'm blessed, here's the tithe. So I encourage us all to start with the tithe. But hey, listen, but in the New Testament, Paul said, what have you determined in your heart to do? And I like this. What have you determined in your heart to do cheerfully? So if you're not at the place of being able to cheerfully give 10%, I want you to say, what can you cheerfully give? And start there. And then I want you to look at it and do what Jesus did because you're going to go say, well, God, where I want to go, I ain't got enough. If I cash out everything I have, if I sold all of my assets to do so, I'm still going to have hungry people. Does that make sense? So I'm going to take what I have and I'm going to bless it. I want you to do that. Not that you haven't before. I'm not saying this is not a correction message, but guys, that's how I want us to make sure we're giving for the rest of our time, wherever you go to church, here or anywhere else, is that you take what you're giving and you bless it. Even if you look at it and it's a dollar and you go, this is not enough to do anything. Don't do that. Jesus took two sardines and five rich crackers and he blessed it. And he gave it and he distributed it and God multiplied it. Does that make sense? Amen. 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 Now, so again, real quick review, and then we land the plane. So, what are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to do first? Are you willing to work with what you have, not what you don't have? Are you willing to do something that may sound strange, right? And are you willing to bless what you have anyway? Even if you look at it and go, that's not enough, and not not just. Are you willing to do that with the time? Some of you here, you're starting new stuff, and you're like, "Well, I only got to work on my doodad for an hour." Will you will you bless that hour anyway? I only got to to do this. Will you bless it anyway? Right, and expect God to help to multiply. Does that make sense? Yes. I have no idea. I'm a great, I'll come up with whatever title I can help with. These are the, to me, these are the questions that came as I've studied. What does it look like to prosper? These are these are real prosperity questions from prosperity Bible stories. What does it look like to have God be provider? These are questions we can ask ourselves continually. Now, again, and for time, why is this important? Guys, I'm going to say this. I'll say this over the weeks. I've shared the overarching vision and, and core of our church. It's written on the wall. This is what I've hesitated to say. And I'm sorry, but we'll say it. But this is what we're going to do, us as a Life of Faith family. We are going to build multi-site church locations wherever God opens up the door. Right Right now we have this one. We have one starting and been going in Jasper. We have one going in Gunnersville. I can see one in Huntsville. I can see one in Coleman. And I can see one in Tennessee for the immediate. But I think there's even more than that as God will continue to prosper us. I want to be a place where we start churches. I would rather have dozens of hundred member churches than 1,000 member church. Amen. Amen. Not that I'm opposed to any one of them getting up to 1,000. But I'm not, I am not. I would rather have more churches that are smaller than one big one. Yes. And the reason why is, is can't you imagine? How many of you enjoy being a part of this church? How many of you, in some way whatsoever, you found life here? If you're watching online, you found life in what we do. How many of you think that needs to go to more places? Yes. Amen. I understand the the love and the desire for for mega churches. I'm not necessarily anti mega church, but this is what I believe we'll see happen in the future: is the days of people taking the drive for a church alive. Amen. Are are coming to an end? Why? Because people live in towns. They live in communities. And there are lost people in those communities that don't want to take a drive for a church that are alive. No. That's right. Amen. Remember, Jesus gave us a command to go. He never gave the world a command to come. No. Amen. Does that make sense? So this is things that I see. Amen. We will have in and around all we're doing. Uh, any other word, I just call it media ministry. We'll do things like live streaming. We're going to do things like creating video and audio content. We're going to create all kinds of stuff that will serve. Um, I, that is principally, Selena and I are beginning to do even more of that. I've been, we've been somewhat hesitant, not fully hesitant. We've been, we've been like Peter. We've kind of cast the one net out. <laughs> Amen. But there's more nets. But it's also for all of you guys too. Because I believe there's all of these things inside of you. Does that make sense? So we'll create a recording studio in each location where people can come and record stuff. And give messages and put them out there. We've started a publishing company. We will help people produce books. Right? And get things out. Why? Because some of the greatest things we can do is record and leave behind the revelation God gives us. Amen. Is that okay? Does that excite anybody at all? Amen. This is why, again, why are we wanting to prosper so we can do all this stuff? Amen. God has given us great connections with churches. But one of the churches of recent that has become stronger and stronger is a connection with Vita Church in Mesa, Arizona. My friend Ben and his wife, Kara Diaz, is their church, right? That is, uh, I know, will be a stronger and stronger connection. So this coming year, I want to have Brother Nick Castellano in. We've heard some of his stuff. Uh want to have James Madison in and his stuff. going to have Pastor Ben come himself. But also, the youth are going this year. They're going to go to youth camp out there with them because of what they do. Uh, And I just look forward more ways. We're going to do more stuff with them. Uh, As I go and travel and go back and forth as God opens doors for me to go, uh, I would like to take some of y'all with me. But if that's the case, I'd like to pay your way. How would you like that? Can't do that yet, but that's what I'm wanting. I want to be able, if I tap a couple of you on the shoulder and say, hey, I'm going, you want to go? All you have to worry about is yes. (laughs) <laughs> Amen, and we'll and we'll go. Amen. So those are things. Um, to come back around a little bit, y'all can pray about this. Um, we we will reach the Hispanic community to a greater degree. Why? Because God took me to Mexico all those years ago, and he taught me Spanish, and he put nations inside of me that haven't left yet. Does that make sense? Before I go home to heaven, I will step foot into the nation of Venezuela. And whether I just step foot there and help, or I step there and live, I do not know. But we will we will be in that country, amen. And I'm super excited about this. We met this last week, and in this, we're going to be on the radio in Panama, certainly the nation of Panama. That God's opened a door, right? So we will make ready. So I'm I'm excited because it's a neighbor with Venezuela. Yeah. Amen. So um so we'll be doing that. I expect to be on the radio in other the countries I see Panama, Venezuela, and Guatemala. At least as the beginning. To be on the radio. So y'all be praying with that. But we'll wanna do do that. So uh, if you're anyway interested, hurry up, and learn Spanish. Does that make sense? We already got a lady that loves to go to Peru. She needs help. Miss Lynette needs to go. She needs translators. She needs to learn to speak on her own, what she's doing. But she also needs to take people with us. Amen. I want us to go into other nations as well as a church family, to do missions trips. But again, I would love to be it in such a way where all we have to say is you just have to get off work and make time to go, but we can pay for it all. We don't have to worry about, well, how are we going to raise money to go do this or how are we going to, we just can go. So one of the things that's in the vision is that I want to be able to go around the world wherever God opens a door with no questions asked. All I have to know is He said it. That's all I have to know is God said go. Does that make sense? We've been invited multiple times to the nation of Pakistan. I just gotta let my kids get big enough yet, so in case it goes really south and I get to go home early. I'm not leaving nothing behind, and y'all think I'm kidding. I no, not but but does that make sense? But I, my heart is, I don't care. I want to go. If God opens the door, I want to go. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, man, I'm talking a long time. But those are the things that we will do. I've said them throughout the message. I've got them written down here. They, because but that's why. Right. That's why we talk about this process so much. That's where we're, where we're going to go, that we will be an organization of churches that goes literally where the Lord puts vision in your hearts to go. We will build ministries. We will build companies. We will build businesses. We will go into the, all the earth. We will go physically. We will go digitally. We will go singly. We will go in groups. And that is what we will do. Amen. So if you're here, we didn't do it, in for time, if we want to get ready to give, whatever you've determined to give from this time moving forward, Father, we come to you, and whatever you've determined, I want you to begin to bless it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to begin to speak over it. And this is kind of how I pray when Selena and I give. Lord, thank you for what you've given me. Well, thank you for the work and how you've prospered us this week in our household. Lord, and so today I give. Lord, because I love you so much. And Lord, I want to be a part of all of your kingdom in the earth. And Lord, I want to take my dollars and turn them into soldiers for the kingdom of God. I want to see them grow and increase and I want to prosper. Lord God, so that I can be a part of your kingdom's expanse in this earth. So Lord, take what we give this week. Lord, I say it is blessed and it increases. As Jesus broke the bread and the fish, Lord, I give freely of my money. And Lord, I expect it to cause kingdom prosperity. Here in this place and wherever you lead us to go, in Jesus' name, I worship you with it.